0: You're listening to Orange County's only station with critical business information, Critical Mass, with your host, Rick Franzi.
1: As coast to coast, I am your host, Rick Franzi. This business talk show airs live on Thursdays at 3 p.m., heard exclusively on internet radio station OC TalkRadio.net. If you're listening to this show as a podcast, we would encourage you to consider listening live during our broadcast time. The show is brought to you by Commerce National Bank, Succession Strategies, and Smart Business Magazine. The goal for this show is to help you, our listening audience, make better decisions. Critical Mass Coast to Coast is a production of Renaissance Executive Forums and Critical Mass for Business. Renaissance Executive Forums brings together the top executives from non-competing firms into an advisory board process where, through thousands of leaders, have been able to gain fresh ideas, new insights, and perspective. It gives me great pleasure to say we are live today on octalkradio.net, and if you're listening live, maybe you want to participate in the conversations that I have planned with our guests today. We do have two guests on the program. If you're listening today live, you have the opportunity to participate simply by finding the community chat room section of OCTalkRadio.net's website. Log on with your Twitter handle. This will connect you directly to the producer. Today's producer, Paul Roberts. Yes, it is. got the cream of the crop there in the studio. Paul Roberts is handling the phones and working the board. So if you'd like to participate in the show, it's very simple. You type your ideas to Paul. Paul will respond to them, bring them to my attention, and possibly I can work them into one of the two interviews that I have fa- planned for today. If you're listening now to hear my interview with Douglas Kane, well, then stay tuned because Mr. Kane will be on the program just a little later in the broadcast because we have... A first guest here on the program. And we're going to be spending some time learning. I'm fascinated to learn more about what Dan Simon is going to be able to tell us. He's president of Healy A, and they do some very interesting work. So let me just welcome Dan to Critical Mass, coast to coast. Welcome, Dan. Hello. Good afternoon. Uh, I've got to start by asking you, tell me about your firm's name.
2: Well, uh, the company was started in 2008, uh, originally founded by members of the Mars family, the same company that owns Mars Incorporated of uh, of pet food and confectionaries like M&Ms and Snickers. Uh, Their interest originally was to invest in a technology that could produce fuel and food products more sustainably. And it so slowly sort of grew out of Arizona State University where they did the original research and then sort of grew into its own little company building and operating uh, production systems for algae production plants.
1: And pronounce your company's first name.
2: Helier, H-E-L-I-A-E,
1: Helier. All right. I'm going to demonstrate my ignorance, but I'm I'm not understand. Can you help me to understand the genesis of the name?
2: Yes. Helios is the Greek word for sun, and the A part is for algae. Oh, okay. The uh, two main feedstocks for algae are obviously sun and CO2. Got it.
1: Okay. I can move forward now.
2: Excellent. I'm glad to hear that.
1: All right. I want to then ask about you. You know, Can you talk to our audience a little bit about your experience? What what were you doing prior to Helier and and what was, you know, what's your professional background, Dan?
2: Well, my professional background in school was finance. I was an economics and finance major. I grew up in San Diego and then uh, went to school at Boulder. And I ended up in the engineering field back in 1991 when I graduated. The markets weren't that good in a space I wanted to be in, and ended up working in the construction and engineering world for a few years, uh, basically building, owning, and operating water, wastewater, power, energy-type plants, as well as mining and steel plants around the world. And that slowly led me towards renewable energy, where I had some passion, and that brought me into Biofuels, where I owned and operated a couple businesses. And then uh, once I left the last business, uh, which was a public company called Biofuel Energy Corp., I ended up uh, working with the Mars family on a couple of their investments, and it rolled me into Helier, which we turned into a, a full-time business for me.
1: All right. Um, so you're, you sound like a, a serial entrepreneur a little bit there, Dan. Would that be a fair characterization of your
2: background? Very fair. I'm, this is my ninth startup.
1: <laughs> uh, you just can't get enough of the thrill of starting a business, can you, Dan?
2: No, you know, some people appreciate the adrenaline associated with it, and uh, I really do. I think it's a lot of fun, and it's best to build teams with new companies as opposed to trying to turn companies around. Why do you say that? Why do I say that? I just yeah. I, I like working from scratch so you could build the culture right from the beginning. Right. And uh, I have a very specific sort of... Core value that I like to build into each company that I get involved with, and uh, it's easiest to do when you when you start it.
1: That might lead me to a question I plan to ask you a little later in the interview, but maybe I'll ask it now. Then um, you know we we think of that uh, maybe as a guiding principle here in Critical Mass, coast to coast. You know that thing that you believe that you know defines sort of the culture and how you lead and grow the company. Can you share a bit about your guiding principle or your core philosophy with our audience?
2: Absolutely. Um, actually, Helia is interesting because it's a mixture of three. Guiding principles. It's the same. Probably the definition is the same. I use the terms core values. You're using guiding principles, but uh, the three that I brought to the company are relentless pursuit, integrity, and quality. And then we brought some from what we learned about the Mars family of businesses. And mutuality is one of their key core values. Or uh, uh, what do you? What's the word you use? Guiding principles. Guiding principles, yes, Uh, and responsibility. And between those five, relentless pursuit, quality, responsibility, integrity, and mutuality, that's kind of how we developed our culture.
1: So I have to ask, being on your ninth startup and having a chance each time to work on the culture, and and I agree with you, it's a key area of differentiation for companies and it's really important for the founder and CEO to lead the culture. Are there any lessons that you've learned from having the advantage of doing it nine times that, you know, if you'd have known the first time what you know now, would you maybe have done some things differently? Could you share a little bit of that if there's any lessons to be learned from that with our audience today, Dan?
2: Yes, really good question. Number one uh, of the mistakes I won't make again, first one is partner. Make sure you pick the right partners. Uh, If you're going to have a partner, Make sure they have, number one, the exact same work ethic and integrity level that you have. If there isn't a match there, it just, it's not going to take long before there is a conflict. Number two, if you're thinking a team member doesn't fit the team uh, and it starts with guiding principles, if they don't match up to the guiding principles, then you need to not wait. People always pray that somebody's going to turn around and get where you want them to be. In, the, in my experience, it, it's come about that uh, I think you, when you when you have the question, you just make the decision. Better for them, better for you. And then in terms of, I guess, a, a third lesson that I bring to the new team is, is really just how to manage multiple uh, – everybody wears different hats. So you need to manage multiple, I guess, priorities every day and be able to shuffle them, and you have to build a team that's capable of doing that. Uh, if, you, if you have a uh, team member who's worked with one company their whole life in a large organization they've only had to do one thing usually it's hard to get them to think about wearing multiple hats
1: are there some people that work better in early stage companies startups you know early stage versus others have you yeah, in definitely. nine tries at this and nine successful you know enterprises have you seen anything that would suggest there are some people that have more DNA for startup companies than others?
2: Yes. Uh, Self-starters tend to be fit well because in a startup, there usually isn't as much definition to what you're supposed to do. So you kind of make what you can out of the position that you're in and what responsibility you hold. Uh, So I usually look for somebody like that. Somebody who's uncomfortable with not having structure around them Uh, somebody who maybe grew up in a way that didn't didn't feel comfortable when they didn't have structure around them, like what they were doing tomorrow, what they're doing the next day, those folks tend not to do well in startup environments.
1: So maybe somebody with a background largely in big companies with defined roles and responsibilities may not transfer those skills may not transfer as well in early stage startup companies is what I'm hearing you say.
2: Yeah, you could never say for everyone, but in most right. cases that's usually a red flag when I look at a resume and see somebody with, you know, large company experience only and yeah. very little freedom in what they've done for mm-hmm. 10 years or 15 years usually they will struggle all of a sudden walking into a position where it's it's not real defined about what's required of them
1: oh, I, I think the, the converse might be true too Dan if if all of a sudden somebody offered you a job as a senior level executive in a very stable company that has a lot of you know structure around it I'm not sure you would be the happiest camper in that environment either I
2: absolutely think. that that's correct it works both ways all right. it works both ways alright
1: we're going to take our first sponsorship break, Dan. When we come back, I'm going to ask you to share with us a current challenge. Okay. Facing Helier and what you're doing about it. So, ladies and gentlemen, don't turn that dial, as we say here on Critical Mass Coast to Coast. Stay tuned to octalkradio.net. Dan Simon is our guest, and we're going to be back after these words from our sponsors.
3: and learn more about our executive peer group.
1: Welcome back to Critical Mass Coast to Coast. I am your host, Rick Franzi. Dan Simon of Helier is our guest today. And before the break, we said we're going to ask Dan to share a little bit about a challenge and what he and his firm are doing about it. Dan, it is time for your answer.
2: Uh, I do have a number of challenges. The key challenge that we have at the company right now is just finding the right people. We've grown from 15 people to over 90 in, the, in about 14 months. Wow.
3: Wow.
1: don't know a lot about your firm, I have to admit, but from what you said in the open and what I can see from doing a little bit around your website, it looks like you have a certain hiring model that you need for your firm. Is that true?
2: Yeah, it, you know, in our industry, what we're looking for are scientists and engineers primarily and then commercial folks to fit around that. It's a new industry, research and development oriented, just going to commercial production. Therefore, we need to focus on people who are capable with microbiology, but as well sciences, marine biology, and engineering services, which means people who are capable of engineering farming equipment, that would be used in the saltwater environment.
1: And for those people that don't know, you're in Arizona and your company is in Arizona, right, Dan? Correct. Um, and so it's not like, I don't know, maybe there are a lot of marine biologists, et cetera, in the Phoenix Valley there, but um, I'm not sure of that. Maybe, is that true or do you relocating talent? From <laughs> yeah, the that's
2: a very good uh, question. And, uh, to, to understand it better, I guess we're growing algae in, in non-potable water, in dirty water, wastewater, and things like that, water that you can't drink, and many times it has a lot of salt in it. So when you think of Arizona, you don't think of marine biology, but that happens to be a skill set that we utilize a lot, people who understand how to grow things in dirty water. So that's how you look for marine biologists in Phoenix, Arizona. The, uh, the, the other key issue to us is you need to find technical people with these backgrounds, engineers and R&D folks, but they also need to match your kind of pace. And, we're, again, growing quickly, there's a lot going on, a lot of expectations. So finding people with that background, but as well uh, comfortable in a fast-moving environment, it just takes a little effort.
1: Right, because that ties to what we were saying before. You know, bringing people maybe from a larger company isn't always the right kind of cultural fit for a startup early stage company. And, and I would think that maybe there are, maybe there's a lot of startup entities with people that experience, or maybe you're you know having to look at larger companies who have a more established track record in attracting their talent into your firm.
2: Correct. Uh, yeah. We we look everywhere, and we've hired people out of large companies as well. But that really Interestingly enough, and this is something your listeners may appreciate, is we found the best recruiting tool for us right now for this particular challenge is LinkedIn. We've been using LinkedIn to to find people they have really been finding us. And you communicate a little bit by LinkedIn and then set up an interview and see where it leads. But probably over half the people we've hired in the last six months have been through LinkedIn.
1: I agree. I think that you know there's a lot of buzz about social media and we have had quite a number of social media experts on the various critical mass different radio shows. LinkedIn continues to me to be almost a universal tool for businesses whether you're B2B or B2C, not just in the area of recruiting, but certainly that is a powerful area for LinkedIn's purpose. Yes. I want to ask you a different question because you know knowing that you you know you've built nine company, You're on your ninth company and You know, a lot of, almost a universal challenge that people that listen to critical mass coast-to-coast who are generally small and mid-market companies face is competing with much larger firms. And I have to believe throughout your... Nine firms, your experience, you've had consistently larger competitors that you were competing with in the marketplace. So you, in different industries too, Dan. So can can you help us to understand from your perspective and your experience, what's a key strategy for competing against giants or perceived giants in whatever industry you might be currently in?
2: Okay. Uh, Actually, really good question. In our industry, as well as many other companies that I've been involved with, there's always the bigger, better funded competitor. And, uh, you know, I, I hate to sound like a record player, but the reality is number team is number one, making sure you have the best team. And the results of that are you can move quicker, execute faster. As your competitors get bigger and they have more money, the challenges uh, for them become how do you expend that money uh, in an efficient manner? And it tends to slow things down and for us, we've always kept ourselves, even as we've gotten, as I've gotten bigger with other companies, uh, we've always kept ourselves really nimble. Uh, so when we need to make a strategic change or a shift, or something happens in the marketplace that changes the economic environment upon which we're producing, uh, being able to change and adjust quickly can kind of keep you ahead of the game. And keeping your whole team capable and your production systems capable of shifting is really important. I've seen a lot of companies go down unable to change. And if you notice what's happened in this world in the last 10 years, volatility at all levels has increased.
1: Dan, that is a great answer and I want to kind of follow up on that because you said two really powerful terms that I don't always think entrepreneur, entrepreneurs associate together. You said nimble and systems. And it's been my experience from talking with people like you who, who know what it takes. It is actually through the proper application of process and systems as you scale your company, it allows you as the CEO to, to keep a nimble organization. Is, is that what you were saying in, earlier? Yeah, you in design
2: answer? into your systems, into your standard operating procedures if you're in a, in a production environment or into the culture of your management team in a smaller company. You design in a system that is capable of adjusting quickly.
1: Because if you don't have a system that adjusts quickly, even if you're smaller, you it doesn't it doesn't take a lot of people before you have a confused or a as you said, you know, a slowdown in your decision making because now you have consensus building and the other things that if you don't have a system that feeds it, can really become a dis can become a determinant early in the company's life. Far before you're, you know, a thousand person employee kind of an organization.
2: Right. And we are in a tough time to be starting businesses. I mean, it's tough to be a small business in this environment ever since 2008. And um, so all those little things matter and things change quickly. And, you know, 15 cent change in one of your inputs can adjust, can change if you're a profitable or a break-even company. So you need to be able to handle that.
1: Oh, wow. You, uh, this is I'm, I'm thoroughly enjoying this interview, Dan. I'm so glad you're on Critical Mass Coast to Coast with me today. And I'm going to be talking about this interview when we get it back as a podcast from the radio station because I want those who weren't able to listen to you live to listen to this show as a as a rebroadcast. I have one more question be- for you before I let you uh, off the air here. And and that's, tell me about growth. W- where do you see um, the future opportunity for your company? How do you see it changing? You know, we'll have you back on at some point in the future because we only scratched the surface on the things that I want to talk about with you today, Dan. So t- talk to us about the future and growth.
2: Well, that's the most exciting part about what I'm doing right now with my career is this company is going from... We're, we're, just, we're just passing the valley of death. We have just created the technology, spent a full year developing that technology, refining it, and we've just finally signed a contract with our first customer. So we will, in 2013, the next big step for us is to complete our commercial plant and begin revenue production, which is the my favorite point of startup environment.
1: Why is it your favorite point, Dan?
2: Because it's where most people fail. Most, most companies that start up, and literally it is a majority if you look at it, uh, majority companies that start-up never get themselves quite through the revenue production stage. Um, it's, it's a dangerous time because it expends. You have to expend a lot of money and resources to get there usually, uh, especially in the types of businesses I tend to be involved with, which are production-oriented. And to get there and to get the team ready for it and then to execute on it is just a lot of fun. It's always you know, a lot of late hours, a lot of hard work, but a lot pays off. And you coined that area the valley of death? Yeah, the valley of death, the period upon which a company <laughs> goes from no per, no revenue to revenue. <laughs> the, the, uh, we call it the valley of death in the startup world simply because it's usually where companies run out of money. Right. They just run out of gas.
1: Hmm. Yeah, the the... Field is littered with the bones of those companies, huh? Just stretching out for the finish line, but not quite making it. That's correct. Yeah. How does someone learn more about you and your firm, Dan?
2: Uh, Feel free to go to our website. It's www.heliae.com, heliae.com, and you can contact us. You can read about it. You can read about the industry. We have all sorts of resources about it. Nobody ever thinks about algae as anything other than pond scum, and we believe there's something more to it. (laughs) You must
0: be a lot
1: of fun at cocktail parties when people ask you what you do.
2: I don't even bring up what I do with my friends anymore. No? I think you should. It's it's quite enjoyable.
1: You have been a marvelous guest, and I want to thank Steve Pincus with Executive Forums in Phoenix for uh, bringing you to the show's attention i am definitely going to suggest to steve that we have you back on dan sometime next year thank you for being a friend of the program and continued success in your endeavor
2: thank you rick have a good afternoon
1: goodbye bye-bye all right that was our first guest and boy i tell you if you listen to this live and you enjoyed that conversation you probably know a couple of people that are leading startup companies or early stage or 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 future entrepreneurs when we get this show put up as a podcast i would hope you'll check back in a couple days and point some of your friends to it because that was a that was chocked full of information and i really enjoyed dan's um, opinions and ideas so we're going to take a short break here bottom of now we're getting ready for our second guest here on critical mass coast to coast today so don't you go anywhere because we're not going to be gone that long we're going to spend just a little bit of time with our sponsors
4: My company made the switch to Commerce National Bank about six months ago. Our relationship officer was there every step of the way to make the transition as seamless as possible. We had an early hiccup with a deposit scanner, but they dropped everything and drove right to our offices to help. We couldn't feel better about our decision to switch. Instead of calling an 800 number and navigating through automated menus, now I call my Commerce National Bank relationship officer directly for any questions we have. Just knowing that they're so easily accessible and willing to help really puts me at ease. They offer the same technology as the big banks, but deliver it with superior service and training. They're also rated a full five stars by Bauer Financial. So if your organization is a smaller, medium-sized business in Orange County, you should make the switch, too. Call Mary Miller, Senior Vice President, at 949-870-3863 or visit them online at www.commercenatbank.com. That's commercenatbank.com. Give Commerce National a chance to do better than your bank, and they'll handle the rest.
2: It takes 12 years to create a graduate. It takes about the same time to create a dropout. And at the end of the day, the difference between a child becoming one or the other could be you. So United Way is asking you to make a pledge. Tutor a child who needs help. Mentor a kid who needs someone on their side. Volunteer to read to children. Because when a child advances, we all advance.
3: Be a reader, tutor, or mentor. Give, advocate, volunteer. Live United. Take the pledge now at liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council.
1: Welcome back to Critical Mass Coast to Coast. I am your host, Rick Franze. This show is one in a series of Critical Mass radio shows. On Tuesday, we bring interesting interviews with California-based Orange County business leaders on Critical Mass radio show. This show is in its fourth year and can be heard live at 4 p.m., as I said, on Tuesdays. On Wednesdays, we have a show featuring Southern California nonprofit organizations and their leaders. And then today is our nationally syndicated Critical Mass Coast to Coast show, which airs at 3 p.m. You know, all shows can be heard live on internet radio station OCTalkRadio.net, or they can be rebroadcast anytime from Apple, iTunes, Stitcher, and other podcasting services. All shows can be found as well on our website, which is criticalmassforbusiness.com. All right, let's turn our attention to our second guest, Douglas Kane. Douglas is president of his firm, and his firm is Lake Truck Lines and Field Services. Welcome to Critical Mass Coast to Coast, Douglas.
5: Good afternoon. How are you doing, Rick?
1: I'm doing fine, sir. Let's get started. I want to learn a little bit about you before we talk about your firm. Tell me a little bit about your background. What did you do before this firm?
5: I didn't do anything. I've been working for Lake Truck Line since I was 13 years old.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That is classic. That is the best answer to that question I've ever had. In all the years I've been doing this program.
5: As a 57-year-old man, I guess I wouldn't be worth a darn working anywhere else, know you think? <laughs> <laughs> you better keep that company going
0: for your own good. Well,
5: after 63 years, I think it's probably going to be around to stay. <laughs> I started working for my father at the age of 13. He started the company in 49. Uh, he put me out on the yard, and I was I was raised by four men that kept me working out in the sun as a kid. And um, uh was blessed beyond measure to learn that type of work ethic and the ability to know that you don't really ever know your your full limits of what you can do. Um, and I worked uh, at Lake Truck Lines. and worked my way through college uh, up until when my dad retired in 77. Uh, he sold uh, all his assets except uh, the operating authority and the corporate shell and put those in a filing cabinet uh, for five years. And, uh, uh, about, nine, and uh, for about for a few years, I finished up some more college and then worked. actually worked for my brother for uh, three years. And then in 82, I came up with a harebrained idea that I'd take my dad's company out of the filing cabinet and start it from ground zero. Uh, the 80s were a fabulous time here in Texas during the oil bust. And uh, we we saw the price of oil go from $85 a barrel to $10 a barrel. Right. And uh, it was just a horrific time, just unmatched by practically anything uh, other than the Great Depression. Uh, Spent 18 months finding my very first client. And uh, (laughs) uh, it it took uh, the better... it took us 20 years to ever turn a profit. It was it was very challenging up until the mid 90s um, in uh, here in Texas, especially if you were trying to work in the oil industry. And uh, so, I was blessed beyond measure to, in the mid 90s, be introduced to the drilling fluids industry. And um, I was literally taken by the hand through the front door of um, uh, MI Drilling Fluids. They're the world's largest drilling mud company owned by Schlumberger. And uh, that's how that was my introduction uh, to it. And from there, we've gone to work for Schlumberger, Halliburton, Baker Hughes, Weatherford International, uh, and Bayroid, just to name a few of some of our clients.
1: Yeah, those, those are some well-known and established international brands. So I've got to ask you, so there's uh, two firms, right, uh, yeah, there's, that you the
0: responsible for. Uh, that's been around since lake.
5: 1949, and uh, I had a crazy idea about 10 months ago, and opened up Lake Oilfield Services. Um, we manufacture uh, oilfield equipment uh, specifically for the cementing industry, uh, the frac industry, and the uh, drilling fluids industry. We came upon this idea as I was trying to figure out a way how to more intelligently uh, market our company. You know, a trucking company is a trucking company. You know, you move stuff from point A to point B. And you can sell service, which is fantastic, but everyone sells service. So I thought I need to figure out a way to differentiate myself from everyone else. And I can't just do it with my sterling personality. So I thought, why don't we uh, devise uh, oil field equipment? And what we had found is that uh, there's an incredible shortages of some of these pieces of equipment. The delivery times are 8 to 12 months out on some of this. Uh, I have been blessed beyond measure to develop a relationship with the largest manufacturer of trailers in Central and South America, uh, the Gallegos Group. And uh, uh, Mr. Gallegos is a dear friend, and he builds all of our oil field equipment. And I uh, I did two things. I said I want to be your distributor for uh, South Texas for distributing your equipment because he didn't have any representation. And then I said I'd like to get you into the oil field manufacturing business. And so we design it, and he builds it, I market it, and I sell it this idea would not have come about, uh, come about without uh, mr. Gallego and his team
1: and that's a that sounds like a very different business than the core business well the it is business. and
5: to be honest with you it, it, it's not without its own challenges and you know I've been listening to some of those guys uh, your earlier speakers which I've just got to compliment you they sound darn slight smarter than me being an old country boy it seems like but these 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 uh, uh, the things that i that I learned was I have to really rein in what we're trying to do, and there's you know there's twenty five pieces of oil field equipment that um, we could build, but I really tried to keep it down to about eight eight different things right now and uh, that is really serving as well because I can now go to my clients and say i you know I want to work with you on your uh, transportation I'd also like to work with you on uh, uh, selling you uh, equipment that's higher quality, less cost, with delivery time that's measured in weeks and not months. Um, uh, by doing this and giving them uh, options of uh, purchasing and leasing, and of course, uh, the the entire market is lease oriented right now. It seems like uh, we're able to put together extraordinarily attractive packages of equipment and transportation uh, for our clients uh, here in uh, South Texas as well as the Permian Basin in West Texas.
1: I I have to ask you kind of an off script kind of question, but I'm wondering with your years in the oil and related fields, has there ever been a better time to be in the oil and natural gas industry than what you're seeing today?
5: I gotta tell you before I got started in eighty two late seventies were pretty crazy around here <laughs> but uh the the straight answer is no it's it is a very good time to to get in the industry if you're in the industry uh, We moved our company after sixty two years from Houston to here in uh, San Antonio because of the Eagleford shale oil field, which is enormously prolific uh we'll be drilling wells 30 or 40 years out here um but I said it uh, about 9 months ago and I said if you're not set up and good to go by the summer of 2012 you're late Mm. and and that doesn't mean that you you can't get into the business it's just that there's a uh, all of a sudden the competition starts coming down here and uh there has been a lot more competition in the last 90 days, to be honest with you. I've seen people that I've never seen before. And uh, But, again, because we we went ahead and made the bold move uh, 14 months ago to come down here, and I an mean, even bolder move to start a brand-new company uh, eight months ago, it has uh, turned out to be a real winner. um uh, Uh, you know, and I, I'd like to say that I'm the smartest guy in the room, but I'm not, I couldn't have done all this without an incredible staff. Mr. Gallegos, as I mentioned, and most importantly, the best clients I've ever had.
1: Yeah. But moving your, your company, I mean, that's a huge decision that has personal implications. It's more than moving the business. You're moving people.
5: Yeah. Well, and it wasn't just that, you know, uh, my dear sweet daddy, uh, started this company and, uh, it was, um, it, it was difficult figuring out, you know, where's the legacy of late truck lines. And I, I, I feel the, you know, what was told to me is that from a legend comes a legacy and I'm building my legacy here. Uh, and to be honest with you, it was a decision that I made literally within minutes. I had gone down to Laredo to see one, uh, uh see Halliburton and, uh, I got a phone call from my wife saying a real estate agent called me and told me to come look at a piece of property, and uh, I knew that Halliburton, Weatherford, and Baker Hughes were all going to be building uh, in southeast Bear County, just outside of San Antonio, at the intersection of uh, Farm to Market 1604 and Interstate 37. knew they were all going to be there, and uh, I drove by this piece of property and uh, said this is a good deal. Negotiated it out and uh, bought it about three or four days later.
1: You got an uh, entrepreneurial but, you know, streak in you, don't you?
5: Well, I'm. Um, you know, here in Texas, we we kind of move kind of fast. Uh, I've mm-hmm. always been taught that uh, good good entrepreneurs and businessmen are, have the ability to make decisions quickly and change their minds slowly. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've operated. Uh, you know, I, I'm. I've operated with numbers, but mostly out of my gut most of my life, and I probably have made about three bad decisions, but this is a good one that we made.
1: Wow, that's interesting. We're going to we're gonna take our third uh, and final sponsorship break here on Critical Mass Coast to Coast. So, uh, Douglas, I want you to hold on. I've got a couple other questions I want to get to in the ten minutes that we have left here on the program today. So, ladies and gentlemen, don't go anywhere because you're going to miss out on some great conversation. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. But first, let's spend just a little bit of time with our sponsors. Smart Business Network is a business-to-business multimedia company providing insight, advice and strategy for C-level executives of fast growth, middle market and large companies. As one of the nation's largest publishers of local management journals, under the Smart Business name, Smart Business Network publishes 19 regional print editions, presents dozens of large and small-scale business conferences and award programs, and produces a vibrant, interactive digital media presence. For more information, visit us at www.sbnonline.com. This is the sound of a flat-screen television hurled off a building. Now the new bike your kid wants. These are the things you could have all cast into oblivion. Because when you throw away money
0: on wasted electricity, you throw away everything you could have bought with it. Use Energy Star light bulbs and appliances, and you could save hundreds of dollars a year. Saving energy
1: saves you money. Learn more at energysavers.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Energy and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Critical Mass Coast to Coast. I am your host, Rick Franzi. If you've not seen an episode of Critical Mass TV show, please go to our website, Critical Mass for Business, where you can find a link to all of our show's archives in our media section of the website. Also, our is available on Apple iTunes, as well as on Podbean and Stitcher. So you can find Critical Mass TV, the newest offering that we have in our media division, online, anytime. Let's turn our attention back to the conversation that I'm lucky enough to have this afternoon with Douglas Kane. Uh, I wanted to ask you, if I could, to think about a really valuable business lesson you learned in your career, and it came out of what at the time might have felt like a difficult or trying experience. Is there one that comes to mind, Douglas?
5: Buy low, sell high. <laughs> I, uh, I, uh, it, it was a, 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 a real challenge uh, early in my life when we had practically nothing and to make a, an incredibly long and challenging story short uh, I basically screwed up about uh, 30 truckloads of freight that had gone between the states of Texas Oklahoma, Missouri Uh, and even as far north as Nebraska. And it cost me tens of thousands of dollars that I didn't have in about six weeks of uh, of time with a few pieces of uh, equipment that I had. And uh, it, it taught me a very, very valuable lesson to really learn what you're doing first before you jump in and uh, I've tried to carry that out throughout my entire life. Um, I've I've been blessed with an incredibly strong work ethic. Like I said, I'm a 57 year old man, and I still go to work at 5:30 every morning. And um, uh, if if I can ever provide anything to anyone, uh, is to to tell them to out hustle their 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 competition. Because most people are so lazy, it doesn't take a lot to differentiate you from the crowd.
1: Even given these hard times that we've been through, you think that's still the case?
5: You better believe it. Out hustle each and every day. Uh, you know, my wife will hear me crawl out of bed at 4 o'clock in the morning, and I say, I'm going to attack the day. Mm. I attack it, I attack uh, every sales call. Uh, I'm, I believe in that. <laughs> The ABCs uh, of sales always be closing. (laughs) uh, (laughs) Why did you never see Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross? I love that movie. movie That that
1: part he plays is classic.
5: (laughs) Put that coffee down. Coffee's for closers. (laughs) 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 So... (laughs) Uh. But uh, I really do believe that hustle is the one thing that no matter what, it will never fail you. I I, I really meant what I said. It took me 18 months of scouring the street in uh, Houston, Texas in 1982 and 83, uh, begging for business, and there wasn't any. I'd sit around and throw freight on the back of a, uh, a truck. From four o'clock in the afternoon till eleven o'clock at night, and the next morning I'd be out making sales calls. And, uh, there, there are times that you just absolutely, uh, you have to push yourself through to make one more phone call, uh, to figure out a way to motivate your employees just one more time, uh, to sit around and do whatever it takes to keep that client happy, even when they're being danged unreasonable.
1: You know that that connects to. Uh, I, I made uh, most of my career has been in sales and marketing, and uh, I always believed, and I still do, and it, it works for entrepreneurs now too. And now that I'm listening to you talk, is that the quality I look for in a successful salesperson is persistence, I get, tenacity.
5: Yeah, you just you got to keep going back. Uh, one of our clients, Baker Hughes, has built a 90 acre facility not far from us, and we've been going to see them since the very moment that they put a skiddish shack out there to have some of their employees you know they were operating off of cell phones in there and they didn't even have any business still don't have any business out there right they haven't officially opened yet but we've been out there seeing the people getting to know them been there for uh seven or eight weeks there hasn't been any of my competition go by there and make a sales call Hope hope none of them are listening right now, Uh, but you know it's it's situations like that where people don't make the effort. You know what's the first thing and the last thing you do in a sales call? You ask for the business, and uh, I find that so many people don't do that.
1: Wow, this has been um, this show uh, has been over the moon with the two guests that we've had today. I was. A little bit worried about who was going to follow up the, our first guest, and uh, that was that. That worry was unfounded. You were a great guest.
5: <laughs> well, if Final you th- need another, if you needed an old Texas old guy to talk to, you, I'll be glad to. Oh,
1: <laughs> well, ha- I'm going to have you back. Believe me, I think there's. <laughs> we just scratched the surface on what you can share. Final thought for the show today: um, What do you see the future for now for the business as it's currently constructed?
5: To be very frank, I I write a a blog, and I do it to to try to make me force myself to think about what's important. Uh, I believe Lake Truck Lines and its sister companies uh, will expand in many different areas. In fact, I'm already planning on what the 100th anniversary of Lake Truck Lines uh, will be like. Uh, You know, I'll be taking a dirt nap, but Uh, You know, I have plans in place. For instance, one of my plans is within three years, Lake Truck Lines will be an ESOP. Uh, I want my employees to uh, uh, own this company and run it, and it is theirs. And so I'm trying to instill the values that my father taught me and and to send it down the line to teach it to my managers uh, so they continue to push it down to our our rank-and-file employees lake truck lines will be a leader in transportation uh... whether it's uh... in the oilfield industry or in the environmental industry uh... we will uh... our plans are to uh... have probably a dozen gallegos trailer dealerships throughout the southern united states within the next uh... three to five years uh... lake oilfield equipment i honestly believe we will expand to over a dozen t- types of equipment But still in the same genre, I probably won't get too wild with that. Um, My intention is to also try to uh, get us into the safety industry as well because uh, that's something that's going to be uh, uh, required as time goes on. These major companies, you have got to be safe 100% of the time. And we have a safety program that's second to none at the company. So – uh, we're we're already planning where we're going to be at 100 years old right now.
1: Oh, that is, that is so cool. And don't take this the wrong way. I don't know if I'm the first person I've ever made this observation to, you, and I mean it as a compliment. But you you sound so much like the comedian Ron White. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. <laughs>
5: well, that wouldn't be the worst thing I've been called. Okay. <laughs>
1: So, if, some, if someone wants to find your companies online, what's your website?
5: Uh, you can find us at uh, lake, L A K E, truck lines, and that's plural, dot com, or lake oilfield services dot com. We're ramping up, we're trying to revamp uh, uh, both websites because uh, uh, a lot of the changes that uh, uh, Jess Stevens are sales manager for lake Oilfield services is doing he's really knocked it out of the park with what our growth has been like and he's completely redesigning everything that this poor old hick you're talking to tried to do eight months ago so he's trying to drag me into the 21st century
1: well i want to thank you i want to thank peter broiler of executive forums in san antonio for introducing us to you as a possible guest on the program i have just had a kick in the pants. This has been so much fun. Thank you. And Douglas, we're going to have you back on the program sometime next year, my friend.
5: God bless you, brother.
1: Thank you. Yes, sir. All right, ladies and gentlemen, if you didn't enjoy today's show, don't listen to any future shows, because I got to tell you, we had two outstanding guests on this program, and I will be talking about this podcast, maybe even tweeting and blogging about it for People who might have missed the live version, and please do the same thing. If you if you're listening to the program live or as a prod, as a rebroadcast as a podcast, please share this show with friends. I think there's a lot to learn. On one hand, we had an experienced entrepreneur with nine startup companies, and on the other hand, we had a second generation business owner who's taking his business into this planning for his business hundredth year celebration after 63 years being in business. What what a Great show. Thank you both, uh, Steve Pinkus and Peter Broiler of Renaissance Executive Forums, our producers in those cities. Anyway, I hope this show has helped you, you know, with information that you can make better decisions on. I'd like to thank our sponsors who bring you this show, Commerce National Bank, Succession Strategies, and Smart Business Magazine. If you'd like to learn more about Executive Forums and the peer groups that they build, visit their website, which is executive.com. Forums, F O R U M S dot com. Our producer for today's show is Paul Roberts. Our marketing communications manager is Kelly Faltus. Our guest coordinator is Kathleen Shepard. And I'm your host, Rick Franzi. Until the next time we have a chance to talk, here's hoping that all of your decisions move your business in a positive direction.
0: You've been listening to Critical Mass, coast-to-coast, only on octalkradio.net.